This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome back to the Jet Press Podcast. My name is Justin Freed, and I'm joined, as always, by my man, Mike Luciano. Mike, what's going on, man? How you doing? How's it going, Justin? Thrilled to be on this third episode of the Jet Press Podcast. Make sure to find us in all those places, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is you get your podcasts. Make sure to give us a five-star review. Again, not for our ego, I swear, to drive us up those charts. Justin, boy, do we have a packed show today, man. The quarterback frenzy, the quarterback extravaganza, whatever you want to call it. So if you're in the mood for Jets quarterback talk, sit down, pour yourself a drink, unless you're driving, in which case, keep your eyes on the road. But if you're stationary and you're listening to this podcast, strap in because we have a full afternoon of content, starting with the man of the hour. We thought it was impossible. We thought there's no way he would leave his current team, especially with that contract. And lo and behold, Aaron Rodgers, future Hall of Famer, top 10 quarterback still, even after this year, is being linked to the New York Jets. And some of these rumors are actually gaining a bit more credence because a report just came out a day ago or two days ago that said that the Packers are looking not to trade Rodgers to an NFC team. The Jets, as you for the, you know, in case you got no connection to the Jets whatsoever, are not in the NFC. Isn't that funny? So the idea of acquiring Rodgers is a very real possibility. It's not just fantasy land anymore. And this goes into what we said about Lamar Jackson the other day, which Aaron Rodgers is not available all the time. You go and get him. However, like with Lamar, there are some big concerns with Aaron Rodgers. He's going to be 40 years old next year. Now, I know that Tom Brady has kind of skewed everything. Let's just take Tom Brady out for a second. How many elite quarterbacks playing till 40 have sustained their past elite level of play. Like Drew Brees numerically and statistically did, but we saw those Drew Brees games in New Orleans. That was not the Drew Brees that's a Hall of Famer. That was can't throw the ball past 15 yards, dumping it off to Alvin Kamara. That was not elite quarterback play. Peyton Manning fell off a cliff. I won a Super Bowl, but I mean, we remember those years. Yeah, that was brutal football. That was five interceptions in a game. Brett Favre fell off a cliff. Phillip Rivers okay but not what he was in san diego so aaron Rodgers is kind of entering that sort of areas we saw the decline already he was throwing more interceptions than he ever had he didn't have the best team around him but he was just missing throws that aaron Rodgers normally makes so if you're the jets and you're one to acquire aaron Rodgers, you have to be aware of the fact that you're probably not getting the mvp guy that we saw in green bay yeah, and I think that that's fair. I, I think as the days have gone on, it seemed more and more likely, like like you were talking about at the beginning, that if you talked to us a few weeks ago, I don't think most people thought Aaron Rodgers would be traded, but there's just been a lot, a lot of smoke around it. Uh, I do want to talk about his his contract situation for a second, because that's a very confusing contract, a very confusing situation. I've 
tried to do my best research. I think I'm a pretty cap literate person. Uh, I was very confused trying to read what's going on to this, but I will give a shout out to, I believe his name is Ken Ingalls on Twitter. Uh, I, I was you know doing my research for this and he's like the top Packers guru. I'd love to have him on the show in the future. Maybe we could reach out uh, and he can explain some of this stuff, but basically he broke it down and Aaron Rodgers absolutely can be traded. Like he absolutely can be traded. I know there's a lot of discussion about that June 1st deadline. If he's traded, it would absolutely be before June 1st. It would have to be before June 1st. Um, the biggest reason for that is just draft capital. If the Packers are trading Rodgers, they're not going to want to defer that draft capital. So they will take on an insane amount of dead cap this year so that they don't defer that draft capital. Because, uh, you know, I know there's the report that came out from Peter King that said that the, it might take multiple first round picks to get Aaron Rodgers. I don't believe that. I don't think that's what it's going to take. I think that other reports have kind of refuted that to this point. A realistic package that I've seen floated around for Aaron Rodgers would be something along the lines of a 2023 day two pick and a 2024 conditional first rounder. That condition could be if he retires uh, or if he, do if he doesn't retire, then you have to give it up or whatever it is. But something along those lines seems more realistic to me. And the Packers, they're not going to want to defer that trade capital or that draft capital to the next year. They're not going to want to make that a 2024 day two pick. They're going to want to make it a 2023 day, day two pick. They will take the huge dead cap hit this season because they're going to essentially punt on the year. It's going to be Jordan. It would be Jordan Love's first year as a starter. This is, of course, if Aaron Rodgers is traded. They're not going to be competing this season, and they they know that. They kind of need to reset and rebuild if they trade Aaron Rodgers. So they're fine. Or if they were to trade Aaron Rodgers, they would have to be fine with taking that huge dead cap in. So I know the, the June first thing has been a thing for some people. I wouldn't worry about it. If he's traded, it will be before June first. Now I want to go get to Pablo and chat right here, who mentions the idea of Rodgers playing alongside Brees Hall. Garrett Wilson, and Jackson Smith and Jigba. That is a pretty loaded offense if they do take Smith and Jigba with their first-round pick, as Mel Kuyper predicts they will. Now, the question that I would have is how long is that really going to be there? Because we've been doing this retirement dance for God knows how long with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, what is this, like the second or third time that we've heard about it? Hiring Aaron Rodgers, you can't just do it for a one-year thing because as much as a quarterback would make the Jets an instant playoff team, I'm not sure that they're a Super Bowl contender right now. Now, Aaron Rodgers, we get them close. But what, are you going to go all out for one year, Aaron Rodgers? And then if he retires, you got to go and draft another guy again? So this is a very risky proposition. If you could get some sort of assurance from Aaron Rodgers that he's going to get at least two years in and you can build an offense around that with all these young pieces. I mean, imagine Garrett Wilson with Aaron Rodgers. He had 1,100 yards with Zach Wilson and Mike White and Chris Strebler, who was, is, that's essentially a fullback playing quarterback and he had 1100 yards as a rookie so what's he and what's he going to do with Aaron Rodgers who was making guys like Alan Lazard good receiver I mean he was putting up numbers that Alan Lazard should not be putting up yeah I I it's totally like it's exciting to think about right and just exciting to have any kind of competent quarterback play in in this uh in this situation um but I I want to say that it's going to be a yearly thing with Rodgers if the Jets were to trade for Aaron Rodgers it would be a year-to-year -year thing, which is what the Packers are already been. They've already been dealing with that, and that's why they structured his contract this way. They knew that after you know when they extended him after that 2022 season, there was a chance he'd retire. There's a chance he'd want to move on to a different team. That's why the contract has been essentially structured in a way where they're going to have to take on dead cap, but they know this, and it's basically a year option, year by year option after that. So if the Jets were to trade for Rodgers, you're not getting that two-year guarantee. There's no way if you if the Jets trade for Rodgers that they can get him to commit to playing in 2023 and 2024. So if you trade for him. You just got to hope he sticks around. Obviously, now if he retires, you know you you could you're gonna have to find his replacement. It's it's a tricky situation, but 
I do think that I would still lean towards Derek Carr over Aaron Rodgers, but uh, you know, I, I, I do think that uh, that Rodgers would be an exciting addition. And I know people want to play revisionist history with the whole Brett Favre situation. Brett Favre was a damn good quarterback before he got hurt with the Jets. They were one of the best teams in the NFL. I believe they were, they were, believe they were eight and three before Favre got hurt. They were legitimate Super Bowl contenders before Favre got hurt. On a team that wasn't exactly amazing around no. him. Yeah, and I know. And then the next year, you know, then then Mangini gets fired and Rex takes over, kind of takes Mangini's credit. That's the whole situation. But Rogers, I, that's a, that's another tangent for another day. Um, but I, I don't. I, I've seen people be like, "Oh, we don't want to get a Brett Favre 2.0." It's like I'd love a Brett Favre 2.0 as long as Rogers didn't blow out his shoulder. Like I, I'd love a Brett Favre 2.0. So. It's more and more likely by the day. In fact, I literally just got an email from like a uh, a betting thing that was like Aaron Rodgers. Uh, the Jets are the most likely team to trade for Aaron Rodgers. Um, so it seems like there's a lot of smoke around this situation. You know, I don't know if it's going to happen, but it's a lot more likely now than it was a few weeks ago. And for the cap stuff, it's doable. Like you can manage it. Here's the optimist's case for Aaron Rodgers because let's be honest, that last year was not Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he became famous for not throwing interceptions. He won eleven last year uh yeah yeah it was most of it since like his first year starting i think right but let's just take a look at what happened that look we make fun of nathaniel hackett a lot we made fun of him a ton on last <laughs> on our last podcast but there was clearly something some rapport that he had there that helped him offensively i'm not sure what it was but it was something and he it didn't look a hundred percent correct without him his offensive line was marred by injuries david bakhtiari was in and out never really quite himself he never had great receivers. Alan Lazard's fine. Aaron Jones is a good running back. A.J. Dillon's a good running back. But look at that passing game. I mean, that's not what Aaron Rodgers is used to. That's not what other elite quarterbacks have necessarily gotten around the league at this time. I wouldn't argue that Green Bay without Aaron Rodgers is not a playoff team by a long shot because they weren't with him. They were below 500. Not even close. Yeah. I just think Green Bay's in this weird kind of middle ground right now. So if Aaron Rodgers say, oh, I could either stay in cold Green Bay, frigid Green Bay, and throw to potential – actually, because Lazard's a free agent. Lazard could leave. Yeah, Lazard could come to the Jets. Yeah. So I could throw – Christian Watson's fine. Romeo Dobbs is fine. Are they going to be number one receivers for Aaron Rodgers? Not sure. Garrett Wilson, I would definitely take them over – him over uh, Alan Lazard and Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs. Elijah Moore, Brees Hall. That's. I think the Jets have better offensive personnel right now in Green Bay. Oh, for sure. They I, they absolutely do. Uh, I, I want to – Kev asked the question in chat, and we talked about this before, but he said we can't wait for Rodgers post-June 1st when Carr can be had in weeks. Uh, I do want to clarify that. I mean, we said it before, but, yeah, people have talked about this. The June 1st deadline – like the Packers would trade Rodgers before June 1st. They would have to. Uh, they're not going to – because nobody knows to trade for Aaron Rodgers after June 1st. No one's waiting till after June uh, to trade for Aaron Rodgers. They would take on an incredible amount of dead cap. Because the reason that that June first deadline exists is essentially so it allows it allows teams to split dead cap it. So if, if you're cutting a player after June first, you can cut that player and and take on some of that dead cap in this current year and push some of that dead cap to the next year. With Rodgers, they would just have to take on all of that dead cap this year. They would be able to get under the cap. They'd have to max void restructure a few, a lot of veteran players, have to make some cuts, but they can get under the cap. And I, I said it before, I shouted it out before. Ken Ingles on Twitter, Packers guru or cap guru, he's a guy to look at. He broke this down really well, but they absolutely can do it and they would have to because no team is trading for Aaron Rodgers after June 1st. Um, and it's interesting because I, I've also, so I want to clarify this to have seen some people propose this where, you know, when you can, when you can cut a player and designate them as a post June 1st cut, 
You can't do that with trades. The only thing you can do is you can verbally agree to a trade in like February or January, whenever, and then say, hey, we're going to go through that after June. And then, um, you know, you just plan your cap around not having that money. The big issue with that is that it's a verbal agreement and there's no nothing binding any team to backing out of that. Say, for example, God forbid Aaron Rodgers breaks his leg in the offseason or tears his ACL. Something happens off the field. The Jets aren't going to do that trade anymore. And so no team, that's the biggest reason why no team, and it's never happened before to my knowledge, would verbally agree to a trade and then enact that trade five months later. Like that, it just doesn't happen. So if he's traded, it would be before June 1st. It would have to be before June 1st. Um, so whatever the Jets do at quarterback, whether it's Rodgers or if it's Rodgers or Carr, I imagine that trade would get done within the next month. I don't think they would wait until free agency to start. If they're waiting until free agency to start, you're probably looking at a Garoppolo. And to go off of that point, they have to get this trade done, I would say, pretty soon because the Jets are not the only team who needs a quarterback, and they're not the most attractive team who needs a quarterback despite their defense and other pieces. If you look at the other teams mentioned as people who could potentially grab Aaron Rodgers, for some reason, I don't know why San Francisco is up there because of the draft capital that they gave up for Christian McCaffrey, but let's just say hypothetically it happens. I mean, you can't get a better situation for a quarterback than that. And if you look at Las Vegas, you got – Devontae Adams, you got Darren Waller, you got Hunter Renfro, you got Josh Jacobs potentially. That they could be a very attractive spot. And Aaron Rodgers, I'd imagine, is going to have some say in where he goes. Now, I want to go bring attention to what Matt in chat says because this leads into our next topic. Do the Jets want to stay on the never ending road to 500 or trade for a top four quarterback who may be on the back nine, but still have a few years left? Derek Carr is not winning multiple playoff games. Well, let's go take a look at Derek Carr's resume. Because Derek Carr, who, by the way, has all of the Raiders passing records, all those great Hall of Fame quarterbacks that they have, Ken Stabler, even though he's not in the Hall of Fame, Jim Plunkett, very good. Derek Carr has beat them all by a mile. Let's go look at Derek Carr's resume since he came into the league. Because Carr came in in 2014 on a horrible Raiders team. A horrible team. He actually performed okay. Then he comes in, then he really starts coming into his own under Jack Del Rio, who, again, Jack Del Rio is not an amazing offensive coach or a great NFL coach. He's not bad. He's just not amazing. And Derek Carr, what do you know? Pro Bowl year, Pro Bowl year, 2017 Pro Bowl year. Then John Gruden comes in, and I can't think of a more unstable situation than what John Gruden had with the Raiders. So combined Gruden instability plus post Al Davis Raiders instability, or even Al Davis at the end of his life instability. And Carr was still producing. Early on, he didn't have an offensive line, still throwing 20 touchdowns every year, still throwing 4,000 yards every year, still avoiding turnovers. What more can you ask of a quarterback, especially in a very tough division? Because that's right when Kansas City was still great. Denver kind of had that great defense both with and without Peyton Manning. The Chargers always had good quarterback play. That's a murderer's row right there for a quarterback. And Carr still produced. And then you go into, let's just look at last year too, because I think last year really encapsulates Derek Carr's value. His coach got fired because he said racist, homophobic, all sorts of, all of the worst things you can do. He was John Gruden. He got fired because he was John Gruden. <laughs> exactly. And then, oh, let's just go through a couple weeks of the season. Rich Pisacci's the coach are getting their feet under him. Oh yeah, Henry Ruggs, your biggest deep threat, goes and ends up getting into an accident that kills two people. So he's gone. Then... Let's just, all right, maybe the defense is getting better. That could be the way that we could support Derek Carr. Oh, no, wait, Damon Arnett, your other first-round pick, one of many Mike Mayock failures, who was Carr's GM for a long time, ends up posting a video threatening to shoot somebody. So he gets, he's gone. 
and still he gets to the playoffs and comes, what, 10 yards away from scoring a touchdown that helps take down the Bengals, who ended up going to the Super Bowl. And then this year, oh, well, he didn't do great this year with all these weapons, Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs and all that. Fair point. He didn't have his best year. 14 interceptions. You got me there. His coach was also Josh McDaniels, who has won 11 of his last 39 games as a head coach and lost to Jeff Saturday. Yeah. Like, find a, find me any quarterback that is going to take a team to a, a Super Bowl with those those conditions. I, I'm with you. You know, I'm on the Derek Carr bandwagon as well. Um, look, I know I know people hear a lot of this as excuses because and, and they are to, to an extent they are. None of the quarterbacks like there's no Patrick Mahomes out there. None of the quarterbacks the Jets are going to acquire are top five quarterbacks. Aaron Rodgers is not a top five quarterback at this stage of his career. There are going to be red flags with every single quarterback the Jets the Jets grab or Jets try to acquire. One such uh, red flag here, you know, it was from MTO 2089 says Carr stinks in cold weather. This is a bad fit. That's a fair concern. Derek Carr in his career has been bad in cold weather. That's something the Jets would have to take into account and they'd have to consider. And there's nothing wrong with pointing that out and being like, look, this is an issue because it is. And I think that that's something the Jets are definitely really considering with this. But like I said, there are red flags with every single one of these quarterbacks. If we ignore the cold weather thing for a second, which of course the Jets won't, but let's ignore it momentarily. Derek Carr has been an above average, an average to above average quarterback for the vast majority of his career, despite like Mike pointed out, very shoddy offensive lines, really bad coaching staffs, uh, the worst defense in the NFL. They, Derek Carr has never had a t- top 20 defense in nine years in the NFL. That level of ineptitude from an organizational standpoint is almost unbelievable. And not only that, multiple times. How many times was defense 30th, 31st, 32nd? Yeah, that, they ranked 32nd in the NFL since he's entered in the NFL, uh, since he's entered the league in 2014 in pretty much every single category. Uh, so it, he's dealt with a lot of crap, essentially, right? This season, you're right. Was not his best year. He threw those 14 interceptions. It was probably his worst year in a few years. Um, he also was not a great fit for the Josh McDaniels scheme. And I don't think McDaniels ever really wanted Derek Carr, which is why they're moving on from him because they can't move on from McDaniels. They're stuck in that contract. This is Josh McDaniels team. And he wants his guy in there, whether that's Tom Brady, whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo, he wants his guy. That's why they're moving on from Derek Carr. Derek Carr's sort of being made the scapegoat, sort of just being like, we need to reset and we want to just get a different quarterback in here. And that's why uh, I do want to say what Matthew says here. This is, this is a good point. This is totally a fair concern. Carr is clearly an upgrade, but can he beat Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, Herbert, Lawrence, potentially Brady in a playoff game? Go for the home run. I agree with that to an extent, but I will also say, who is the home run? Is the home run Aaron Rodgers? Because while I agree that Aaron Rodgers, obviously, historically, has been a lot better than Derek Carr, and this past year was even still better than Derek Carr, what Rodgers are you getting? Can he stay healthy? There's a lot of question marks about Rodgers' future. And I'm, I would be happy if the Jets traded for Aaron Rodgers or Derek Carr. I'd be very happy with that situation. I think with a Derek Carr, and this I, I forget if I talked about this on the show or not, but I've definitely talked about this to others. With Derek Carr, you'd be trading for Carr. You wouldn't, I don't think you'd expect to win a Super Bowl with Derek Carr. If you did, great. Jimmy Garoppolo got to the Super Bowl with the 49ers. It can happen. It's totally possible. Bat, like Average to above average quarterbacks can totally win a Super Bowl. It's a lot harder when you don't have a Patrick Mahomes or a Justin Herbert or a Josh Allen or a Joe Burrow, but you can do it. The thing with Carr, you'd want to pull something like what the 49ers did with Garoppolo. You'd want to have Carr in there for a few years. And then hopefully, once you stabilize the roster, stabilize the current regime with Derek Carr, because obviously Joe Douglas and Robert Sala know that they need to get a quarterback in here now or they're fired. Right. So that that would hopefully solve that problem where you just stabilize the quarterback position, stabilize the roster. And then hopefully you can draft a quarterback to potentially 
develop behind Derek Carr when you already have a stable core in place. That would be a perfect long-term vision for the Jets if they were to get Derek Carr. Carr wouldn't necessarily be the end goal. He'd be a means to an end. But if you also win a Super Bowl in the meantime, great. You can compete with Derek Carr. This is a playoff roster with Derek Carr. And once you get to the playoffs, anything could happen. You know, the Bengals reached the playoffs. They're the Super Bowl last year. They were not the best team in the AFC. They were absolutely not the best team in the AFC, but anything could happen once you get to the playoffs. So I do think I, I hate the whole like, oh, you can't win a Super Bowl with X quarterback, right? Maybe you can't win a Super Bowl with Zach Wilson, or maybe you can't win a Super Bowl with John Skelton, but you can win a Super Bowl with Derek Carr. It's harder because he's not in that elite tier, but you can do it. I think the underrated thing about Derek Carr too, extremely durable, extremely yeah. so. How many? I believe he's only missed what two starts in his career due to injury. Now he missed a couple this year because he got taken out of the lineup and Jared Stidham came in. Mm-hmm. But th- how many times have Jets just been shuffling quarterbacks in? I've never seen one worse than this year. But even think back to other years. How many times have we finally gotten promising runs and then all of a sudden, oh, wait, Sam Darnold got mono or a guy got hurt? Yeah. That durability is an extremely underrated asset. Now, I get the AFC is loaded with quarterbacks, so much so that you look at guys like Trevor Lawrence, Lamar Jackson, Tua, not all of them are going to make the playoffs next season. That's just how deep the conference is. So I get saying, well, Derek Carr hasn't made it before. Why is he going to make it now? I think just going back to that earlier point about the infrastructure, not that the Jets are some master of how to build a culture, far from it. In fact, I think they're in the top five offenders of how not to build a culture generally, if you look back at the history of the franchise. But uh, this team is ready to win games now. They literally, no, no team was a quarterback away, in my opinion, more than the Jets last year. Because they got the pieces. The offensive line isn't amazing. Okay, you can tinker with that. You can draft a guy. You could sign someone in free agency. These are all things you can fix. Derek Carr, and one thing that I do like that Derek Carr I think will do is he's going to open up the verticality in this passing game. Absolutely. Now, how many times this year, like you saw those Zach Wilson games. We all saw those Zach Wilson games. It was baby's first offense. It was Fisher-Price, you know, kitty offense, offense off the kid's menu. It was short slants. It was slant flats. It was rollouts with one or two guys. That's not complex. So when people bang on a lack of creativity, that's all he could really handle. Derek Carr, you could throw a full offense at him. He's done it before because his coordinators keep moving in and out, and he's had to learn new offenses. He's got a stronger arm than people think. I know he doesn't maybe unleash these big bazooka throws unless it's against the Jets and Greg Williams runs cover zero. But he's got a fantastic arm. He's mobile enough in the pocket. He's not going to run for 1,000 yards. He's got good pocket maneuverability. There's a lot to like just about the way he plays the position. And he's done it for a very long time, very consistently. I don't see what the real problem is with Carr. Now, again, he's somewhat expensive because he's got that big contract. But that's not outrageous for a big quarterback, for a quarterback of his stature. Yeah, and it won't take a ton to get him in a trade either. Obviously, we don't know exactly what his market is, but I don't think any team's giving up a first-round pick for Derek Carr. Everyone knows that Derek Carr has to be gone from that Raiders roster by February 15th, I believe the date is. And so when you have, like, the Raiders don't have leverage. They don't, because every team knows that if they don't trade him, he's cut by February 15th. Another smart Raiders franchise move. You get your best trade asset in God knows how long, and you immediately torpedo that. Yeah, we don't, we don't got to turn this into a crapping all over the Raiders podcast, although I could do that because that would be fun. Yeah, it's fun to make fun of Mark Davis. He's so innately mockable. They are a bad, we're like a bad organization. They pissed. I had to cover them for a while. They are just a bad, and this is coming from a Jets fan. The, and like, these, I, and I, these like, are Jets fans telling you this. They are a bad organization. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, look, the team that drafted Bryce Petty is saying you don't know what you're doing. Drafted Christian Hackenberg in the second round. We, we, we talked about this last time. We could do an entire Jets podcast on just bad <laughs> draft picks that the team has made and discuss them. Be like, hey, remember Jarvis Harrison or whoever? Uh, oh boy, <laughs> that, that was a shout. That's a blast uh, from the past. Yeah, the, the interesting about thing about Carr, and I think this is something that people really discount. And they they kind of look at him like. Or at least from what I've seen, people have thrown out like that. Oh, he's an average quarterback, which means he's a game manager. I think Carr is anything but a game manager. I think he's a volatile QB who can absolutely win you games. I mean, the dude has the most game-winning comebacks uh, in the NFL since he entered the league in 2014. He's, I think, 33, which is a lot. That now, the point is, oftentimes you have to be down to initiate a comeback right. drive, but still, and it, it speaks to how bad that Raiders defense has been uh, that he's been trailing so often, but. That's still impressive, and he can win you games. He won the Raiders a lot of games. He can also lose you games. He's a better version of what Carson Wentz is right now, a better, more consistent version of what Carson Wentz. You get a lot more good games from Carr than you get from Wentz and fewer bad games, but you will have those bad games. They will happen. It's kind of in stark contrast to you know the other guy that has been connected to this Jets team, which is Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Garoppolo is kind of the complete opposite of Carr in the sense that He's not going to really win you many games, but he's probably not going to lose you them by making mistakes. He's just fine. He's a fine quarterback. Garoppolo probably made a lot more sense for the Jets when if they had kept Mike LaFleur. Now that they're moving on from Mike LaFleur and they're going to, you know, well, we don't know who they're going to bring in, but they're bringing in a new offensive coordinator. It seems a little less likely. And I feel like now Carr and Rodgers have emerged as the two big name additions the Jets can get. But Mike, what do you think about Jimmy Garoppolo? Are you, are you still on the Garoppolo bandwagon? Do you think that he'd be a good fit for the Jets? What do you think? This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, I would say my opinion has changed dramatically in the last month because I have never been a huge fan of Jimmy Garoppolo. I thought that that was quarterback heaven in terms of the coaching he got, the scheme he's in, the players around him. I thought that that was not idiot-proof, but as close to idiot-proof as you can get for an NFL quarterback system. And he just tried his best to not make mistakes and then wrote some good defenses and some good skill position players to a Super Bowl and an NFC Championship game. So I thought, you know what, if he just comes in, runs a very simplistic offense, just keeps moving the ball, doesn't turn the ball over a lot, he's going to throw for his touchdown. I thought that that could work and get this team to the playoffs. However, I've been watching some 49ers games lately, and they have a guy who got picked with the last pick of the draft in Brock Purdy running that offense. And not only does he look as good as Jimmy Garoppolo, I mean, there are instances where he might look better than Jimmy Garoppolo because Purdy's definitely more mobile. There's a bunch of plays in that Cowboys game specifically where he was rolling out, and I'm like, all right, Garoppolo would not have made that play. He just would not have. And now let's look at the other 
criticisms I can levy against Jimmy Garoppolo. He's going to be 32 this year. So is Derek Carr, but Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be 32 this year, and he's been injured pretty much his entire career. Let's just go year by year with San Francisco again, just to kind of compare it with Carr, because they've overlapped for a very long time. So I would say probably 2017, that was his first year where he got there. Give him credit, 5-0 and as a starter, seven touchdowns in five games. Not amazing. Then next year, three games. Gets hurt pretty much immediately. Then he has the crazy Super Bowl year, which, as we've already explained, sometimes you just get hot and sometimes you just can't lose and sometimes you get to a Super Bowl and you're one quarter away from beating Patrick Mahomes, which he was. Then next year, six games, five picks in six games. Not exactly blowing the doors off right there. Last year, honestly not amazing for his standards. I mean, 20 touchdowns and 12 interceptions is not mind-bending production, especially when you got Kyle Shanahan on the sideline. And then this year, 16 touchdowns, four picks. That should be amazing, especially in a contract year. And then he hurts his foot, which is not a thing that is going to get better with time. That's something when you're getting older, that's that's a concerning injury. So when I look at Garoppolo, he'll be fine. He'll definitely be better than what the Jets had. He'll definitely get them into the playoffs, I think. I just think the ceiling is so much lower than it would be with Carr or Rodgers. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think you, you hit on it. The biggest issue with Garoppolo is also is just durability. Like the Jets haven't had a starter, a QB start all every game of the season since 2015. Ryan Fitzpatrick did it. That's seven years ago. That's unbelievable, honestly, if you think about That's it. That's honestly one of the most amazing Jets stats it's, I can remember. It's amazing. And and all of it, pretty much every single one of those, in fact, I think all of those have been because of injury. It's not been because of performance. Guys have just gotten hurt. I mean, they've had four different quarterbacks play significant or play at least parts of games in the last two seasons. That's crazy. So if you're trading for Garoppolo, especially if you're bringing back someone like Mike White, who has had durability issues in the past, you're asking for another, if Zach Wilson's on the roster, you're asking for him to play or again next year because you're already going to have Garoppolo who has played, what, 16 games in one year in his career? Yeah, one one season he's had. A exactly once. He played 15 in 2021. Right. And which, so, yeah, let's throw a party. He played 15 games. Woohoo. <laughs> I know. And so he's had durability issues his entire career. That's a major concern to me. That's a major concern, especially about an offensive line that is still working. You know, they're still trying to figure it out. They're still trying to figure out what the plan is there, and they clearly need to add at least a couple pieces. So that's a major concern. On top of that, I don't think you can get the high-end level of quarterback play that you can get out of Derek Carr. You know, you're not going to get that out of Carr every single day. You're not going to get that out of him every week, but you can get that. Carr can play at a higher level than Garoppolo can, and obviously Aaron Rodgers can as well. So I agree. I think Garoppolo has kind of become my third option, whereas when they had LaFleur and before we kind of saw Brock Purdy step into the same system and honestly perform it maybe even better, uh, like I think Garoppolo runs the offense a little bit better. He's a little more accurate, but Purdy's mobility is a huge plus. I, I think Garoppolo has become my third option. Uh, Carr is probably number one for me, just because I think there's more long-term security with him, whereas Rodgers is you know number two. And I think they're pretty much 1A and 1B for me at this stage. Obviously, this is, of course, excluding a Lamar Jackson thing, which we talked a lot about Lamar Jackson last week. Check that out. Uh, but I, I do, I'm concerned about the, the durability, durability with Garoppolo. And I don't think, like, I think with the point Matt made earlier where he was talking about the car is an upgrade, but he's not that Mahomes level quarterback. He's not Allen Burrow, Herbert, you know, whatever. I think that's more of an issue with Garoppolo to me. Cause I think Carr at his best can absolutely play as well as any quarterback in the, in the league. He has shown it before he can play really, really well. And he can have those great games. Garoppolo isn't really that guy. He's very stable, very consistent, 
but he's not volatile like Carr. And I think you need that volatility at the quarterback position if the Jets are going to swing for the fences. I don't think Garoppolo is a swing for defenses. I think he's a move where you're like hoping you get to the first round of the playoffs and then see where you go from there. And let's be honest, the Jets are a downgrade from San Francisco. in term- Now, that's not an insult because the Jets are good. It's just San Francisco, you-, you can't do much better. I mean, how many running backs in the league are better than Christian McCaffrey? Like Two, three, if that. Tremendous offensive line, perhaps the best offensive line men at any position, you could argue, in Trent Williams. Brandon Ayuk really coming into his own. George Kittle, elite tight end. And again, I, I know that I'm a Shanahan simp, disciple, whatever the the adoration adjective you want to use, but that is the pinnacle, in my opinion, of offensive coaching right now in the NFL. That's why everybody's trying to hire Shanahan assistant. That's why Mike LaFleur got hired by the New York Jets. Mm-hmm. So what you're saying is not only is Garoppolo going to run this offense, but we're going to pay him a ton of money and expect him to carry this team. I've seen more carry out of Carr in worse situations than I have from Garoppolo. Not that he's completely just brain dead and that anybody can run this offense because we've seen that there have been some guys who can't do it. But I'm really not expecting much from Garoppolo. I mean, I think there's a reason, too, that the Niners off a Super Bowl win very recently were like, all right, we need to trade up aggressively to get Trey Lance. Obviously, Trey Lance hasn't worked out because of injuries, but – the fact that that was even a thought in this organization, the fact that it was permeating, I think it told you right there what they thought of him and what they thought of how he could operate that offense. So I don't know why the Jets think all of a sudden he's just going to play outside of his, outside of himself, out of his mind rather, yeah. and lead this team to an AFC Championship game or Super Bowl. I just don't see it. And I, I, I see competence. I don't see breaking through. Carr, I at least, if everything goes as planned, I could see a potential breakthrough. Like Matthew Stafford. Garoppolo's not at that level. I, I, I agree. And yeah, it just, you know, it's, it's tough. Like I would be happy if the jet, I would be content. I'd be content if the jets signed Jimmy Garoppolo one, you don't have to give up draft assets, which, you know, you do have to give that up probably for Carr and definitely for Aaron Rodgers. So that's one thing I'd be content, but also I, if say Rodgers was traded elsewhere and Carr obviously is going to go elsewhere, right? If Rodgers isn't traded, then, you know, you could be like, Oh, the jets only missed out on one guy. So like if Lamar Jackson and Aaron Rodgers both stay put, then it's like, all right, you have Derek Carr. That's your top option. If they miss out on Carr and resort to Garoppolo, fine. I'm content with that. However, if Rodgers and Lamar are both traded and Carr goes somewhere else and the Jets miss out on all three and then have to kind of fall back on Jimmy G, that's a failure in my mind. A more, I mean, it's not as, as much of a failure as relying on someone like a Jacoby Brissett or a Gardner Minshew, but it's a failure. You know, it, it, it's it's hard not to look at it as that. I do think... Garoppolo could save jobs, which that's why I think I'd be content with it because I know the regime is really just focused on they're trying to build a long-term winner, but they also know they're not going to be here for the long-term unless they have a good team this year. They need to get a quarterback in there. If you put Jimmy Garoppolo on this Jets team in 2022, they make the playoffs. They do. They make the playoffs. I don't know how far they get. They might not get past the first round, but they make the playoffs. And, you know, that's that's the whole thing with Jimmy G. That's the whole thing with this quarterback situation is do you want to – rely or do you what what is your goal essentially for this upcoming season is your goal to get to the first round of playoffs is it to get further i don't know those are the questions that the jets have to answer themselves those are the questions joe douglas has to answer as well as robert sala and even woody johnson and for the garoppolo is a winner crowd because oh he's a winner like all right let me just ask you this trevor lawrence already has more postseason touchdown passes than jimmy garoppolo mm-hmm. jimmy garoppolo is four they were in an nfc championship game what do they throw the ball eight times with him and he completed six does that show you, like, oh, we think Jimmy Garoppolo's arm is going to win these games? 
Wait, are you are you saying that wins aren't a QB stat? Is that what you're trying? I, that to is in fact what I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, Zach Wilson. Oh, he won a bunch of games. He must have been fantastic. He was over, he was over 500 this year. Oh, yeah, Kenny Pickett kidding. was dominating. So therefore, he must be better than Derek Carr, right? Yeah, of course. That, that's how it works. Clearly, oh, of no. course. Yeah, I'm Justin I'm a very Herbert. smart analyst. Justin Herbert's never won a playoff game. Clearly, he's not as good as as Mark Sanchez. You know, oh, of course, of, not not even close at that point. I mean, he got the two AFC Championship games. Yeah. So I, I, obviously, it's you know, it's a very slow discussion. Regardless of what the Jets do at quarterback, they're going to be taking on a big cap hit, likely, in whatever they do. And, you know, assuming they don't draft someone, which they probably won't, which means they're going to have to make some moves. They're going to have to make some cuts. Why don't we switch gears and kind of talk about that a little bit and potential guys the Jets could could move on from this offseason in terms of cap casualties, whether it's a Carl Lawson, a Braxton Berrios, Jordan Whitehead, John Franklin Myers. There's a lot of guys. Corey Davis There's a lot of guys in that category. Mike. If you had to predict a couple of players the Jets do eventually cut this offseason, who are you who are you throwing out there? Well, I'm going to go with one, I think, and one, not I hope, because that's a bad way to analyze things. You don't want people to lose their jobs, but one, I think the Jets could benefit from on the field. Might be a better way to phrase it. I think Carl Lawson will get cut. Now, we'll give him credit. He tried his ass off with the Jets. We can't question his effort, but at the same time, they paid him to be a number one edge rusher he was fine but for that defense i don't really see you know number one edge rusher talent right now in carl Lawson. certainly fine certainly serviceable i think he's a little too expensive right now and i also think with jermaine johnson coming up who needs some work as a pass rusher but i think he'll get there i think that's kind of the natural succession plan is to just elevate johnson and bryce huff and then carl lawson you know we wish you well in future endeavors the one that i think the jets could really benefit from is braxton barrios now, Berrios, terrific kick returner, terrific punt returner, especially last year. I mean, better last year than this year. He's got some value. The, I don't know what Mike LaFleur, I don't know what Braxton Berrios did to him or had on him or what kind of compromising pictures he had on his phone or what, but the fact that there were games where Berrios was a bigger offensive piece than Elijah Moore in the gameplay, it, it baffles me. I, I have no idea how that made any sense. So I think that if he's gone and they could even maybe keep a Corey Davis, who's another cut candidate, but I think they really like what he brings to the table, both from a leadership perspective and his blocking. I think if Berrios goes and you run it back with Wilson Davis and more, that is a well above average receiving core. I agree. Uh, Lawson is someone that I'm fairly confident won't be back on his current salary. That doesn't mean they'll cut him. They could restructure, but I would be very surprised given how much flexibility they have with that contract if he was back on his current deal. He's set to make, I think, $15.33 million. Uh, that's his cap hit next year. You could cut him for, I think, three to 30000 or something like that. Basically, you can cut him for free, essentially. So it seems very similar to like the, the situation with Jamison Crowder a few years ago where the Jets knew they had all the leverage in the situation, and they're like, hey – we're going to basically force you to take a pay cut. You know, we can we can stretch this contract out another year, put a little guaranteed money in the future, but either way, you're not going to make your cap it can't be 15 million this year because the Jets know they're going to be up against it with the cap, especially because of the move they're going to have to make a quarterback. Uh, we'll see what happens with a Quinn and Williams extension. There's a lot of factors there, but they know they're going to be up against it with the cap. Carl Lawson at 15 million, like you said, Mike, it's just not worth it given how how what he produced on the field last year. Now. There's a he has a fairly good excuse. It was his first year coming off an Achilles tear. There was a report from Connor Hughes that came out that basically said Lawson had a 
setback in his recovery, I believe in like May or June or something. And he had to have, or maybe it was earlier than that, but he had some kind of setback in his recovery, had to have a second surgery on his Achilles. He didn't start running until right before training camp. Poor guy. It's insane. (laughs) The fact that the dude played an entire season on that and was still good. Like he wasn't bad. He was a league average, I'd say, a league average edge rusher, right? League average pass rusher, league average against run defense, just pretty solid player. The fact that he was able to do that, despite having two Achilles surgeries and barely even running before training camp, is impressive. And I think that also has to be taken into account. And that's why I don't think they'll cut him. I think they'll restructure him because I think that they don't, they know that he was very limited by, by his injuries last season. He was coming off that tear, uh, that Achilles tear another year to kind of just get back to him himself and the, the player he was when they signed him, because he was a damn good player. I don't want to hear the revisionist history about the whole Trey Hendricks and Carl Lawson stuff, because every Jets fan at that, or a lot of Jets fans at that time, uh, were on the, the Carl Lawson bandwagon, as was I, because Carl Lawson was a better player than Trey Hendrickson. And you can't predict that he would have gotten hurt like that. Of course, I mean, with obviously Lawson, he had the injury history, but even still, Hendrickson was not nearly the same player he was in New Orleans as he is in Cincinnati. He had the sack numbers, but he was not nearly as productive as an edge rusher. Any Saints fan who watched him will tell you that he became a completely different player in Cincinnati. And that's a great job on the Bengals for being able, being able to identify that, but as far as the Jets go, if they had signed Hendrickson over Lawson, I would have been pissed, right? I, I would have been pissed. Of course, hindsight's 2020. Carl Lawson ends up getting hurt, but he was tearing it up in the summer before he got hurt. No, that's a terrible pun. Awful pun. Uh, I didn't mean that. <laughs> really, man? <laughs> Give this guy a break. Terrible, unintentional pun. Uh, but he was, like 50 he was choices, and you picked the one that didn't work. <laughs> he was. Oh, oh I, no. He was. Oh, doing we're really sorry, well. Carl. We're sorry, Carl. <laughs> he was doing great. Uh, which, yeah, it sucks. It sucks that he then ended up getting hurt. Um, but you know, I, I think the Jets are going to see that and be like, they are hoping that he can get back to the guy that he was before his injury in 2023. And I think, and I also know he's a really good locker room dude. He's very well liked in that locker room. They're gonna do everything they can to bring him back. So I do think he's back as for Berrios. I think it's a lot more likely he's cut. And I think you absolutely should cut him. That would be a move that would benefit the Jets for sure. I believe he's set to make around eight and a half million or something like that's a very, very high cap hit for a player who is a wide receiver five probably four at best. I don't, he's not a wide receiver four. He's a wide receiver five and was a honestly below average returner this year. He's relatively safe. Like he's not going to fumble the ball, but he made some very, very stupid decisions uh, uh, late in the year. Just very questionable decisions with his punt returning. Uh, And honestly, it was a net negative for the Jets for a lot of the year. Of course, you had the drop in Minnesota. There were a lot of instances of Braxton Berrios just not being the same player he was the year before. So I believe the Jets can save $5 million by cutting him. You can replace that for $5 million. You can get somebody on this roster that can fill that wide receiver five and average kick returner role for less than $5 million. And I think the Jets will do that. Um, Other guys, like you mentioned, Corey Davis is another one that's interesting because very similar to Carl Lawson, you could essentially cut him for free. I, I believe he has, yeah, he has an $11 million cap at next year, under a million dollars in dead cap. That's somebody, if they want to keep around, again, same as James Crowder, same as Carl Lawson, they can restructure. They can just basically force him to take a pay cut because it's either he's going to get cut or, you know, they. I, I don't think they bring him back on that $11 million cap. It. I, I don't. I think that they're going to try to keep him around. But if you go out and trade for someone like Aaron Rodgers and he wants to bring Alan Lazard in or whoever, right, you can just do that. Like you can cut Corey Davis and then replace him with Alan Lazard. You can do that. But I, I do think for the $11 million that he's being paid, he's worth that. Like I know everyone hates Corey Davis. I mean, it's very easy to, to, you know, get on the guy. He's had a lot of injury troubles in New York. He's had the drop issues. But $11 million, given the current wide receiver market, is not a lot. 
Like that is for Corey Davis, who is probably a solid wide receiver number three. And in a good situation, you hope he's a wide receiver number two, if he can stay healthy, that's a good number for him. That, that is. So I, I do think they're going to try and keep him with, I don't know if it'll be at that cap pit, but I think they'll try and keep him around. Especially because Davis, I'm not saying that wide receiver blocking is the metric you should use to pay guys, but that's definitely a big part of this offense. Even if they change it slightly, Robert Sala is going to put a huge emphasis on that because it's going to help Brees Hall get in space on those outside runs. And also, he's kind of their, I know it's not really saying much, but he's their go up and get it X receiver guy right now. Garrett Wilson could be that. But I feel like if they need to do like a 50-50 ball, I feel like they throw to him at this point. That's hard to replace. Not impossible, but it's difficult. So I think they might just say, you know what? We know him. He knows our coaches. Good player. Tries hard. Well-respected. I think Corey Davis will stay along. Jordan Whitehead I'm interested on because I'm a little split on this. because I don't know what Todd Bowles was doing with him in Tampa, but that dude was flying around and smacking people with the Bucks. And then he comes to the Jets, and it's like he weighs like 130 pounds. And he's just like falling off guys. Like that was really surprising. Him and Lake and Tomlinson both weren't as good as they were with Tampa or San Francisco, respectively. Whitehead's was more shocking to me because it looked like he just was a completely different player. I'm willing to give him another shot to bounce back, though, because I really liked what I saw in Tampa. I feel like he he made some plays. He wasn't just a complete negative. Marcus Jordan, for the most part, was a complete negative. Jordan Whitehead had some moments. I feel like sometimes just, you know, new team, new scheme. I think with year two, he might be one of those guys who just settles in and, and buckles down personally. I, I don't really see as much of a benefit to cutting him. Yeah, I, I you could hope, obviously. I, I think for what they're paying him, they I think they take on roughly a seven and a half, eight million dollar cap it. Uh, or, or they, I'm sorry, they would save seven and a half, eight million dollars if they cut him. I think for what they'd save by cutting him, you're probably not going to find a significant upgrade. So I do think they bring him back. Either way, the Jets need to upgrade safety in some way. So if they do bring Jordan Whitehead back, you better have a damn good plan for free safety, whether that's Jordan Poyer or whoever. You need to get somebody in there uh, who's going to just be an upgrade because you can't run it back. I mean, they're not going to run it back with Joyner. Like, Joyner's gone, obviously. But you can't run it back with a player of Joyner's caliber and Jordan Whitehead again. Like, you you can't do that. Whitehead, I believe it was fifth or sixth in missed tackles this season at, uh, at the safety position. It was an issue. It was a big issue. I honestly don't. I think his issues in coverage were a little overrated. Like he was fine. He wasn't bad. We knew that coming into the year that he was a fine player in coverage. Um, but, you know, I, I just I think that his big issue was in run defense. And if you can get a safety in there like uh, Jordan Boyer or whoever, it doesn't have to be a, a star player like Jordan Boyer, but somebody else who can clean up that act and, and basically serve as a better complement to Jordan Whitehead, you can afford to keep him. And I do think the Jets will keep him, although having that flexibility is good. Um, we could talk about a few other players too. Uh, John Franklin Myers is another interesting one because he has $12.3 million cap hit next year. 1.2 in dead cap. So you could save a lot of money by cutting him. I don't think they do because as much as, again, I feel like John Franklin Myers is another Corey Davis-like player where Jets fans just kind of like to crap on him. John Franklin Myers is a good player. Like He, he is a, an above-average player. He is, he's, he's solid for what he is. He's not going to change your defensive line, but he's a perfect, versatile role player, which is honestly what they need and what they need a lot of on that Jets Exactly, line. and I'm all in favor. Like, all in favor of giving more snaps to Jermaine Johnson, to Mike Clemens, to Bryce Huff specifically. But – you don't have to cut Carl Lawson or John Franklin Myers to do that necessarily, especially you could just play Franklin Myers more on the inside. I know the Jets really hesitated with doing that, especially on early downs last year, but why not? Your interior your interior uh, defensive line depth is not good. Nathan Shepard's not good. Solomon Thomas is not good. They're both 
like they're both probably gone this year. Maybe they bring back Solomon Thomas. I don't think they bring back both of them. You could play Franklin. You could play Franklin Myers more on the inside, um, and and just have Bryce Huff and Jermaine Johnson take on those more of those edge rush roles. I think for what you're paying him again, you're paying him twelve million dollars. That's a fair price for for him. Maybe you look to cut him after this season because um, I think his cap hit goes up, and the, you know you can probably cut him after that. But I do think he'd be back this year. I want to go and uh, bring up Kevin Chat's point about how you can't restructure and keep everybody. There's a lot of turnover. That's fair, but also they're really not paying. They're going to pay Quentin Williams eventually. They're really not paying a lot of their stars anything right now. So this is the time where you want to go and and they're going to pay a quarterback eventually. This is the time when you want to go and retain all those role players. When you get a quarterback, you got to pay fifty million to like a Burrow Herbert guy. Then you got to make some cuts elsewhere. That's one of the, I think the benefits about coming to the Jets right now, especially if you're a quarterback. Because I know you're going to command a lot of money, but they have enough financial flexibility where they can keep some guys. So you're not going to have to carry everybody. Yeah, and, and those restructures will save a decent amount of money. Like if you're cutting Carl Lawson's cap hit down from 15 to like seven, that's already seven million saved right there. Seven eight million saved. You can cut Barrios, and that saves you five million. You you trim Corey Davis's cap hit, you could save five six million there. You're going to save a lot of money doing that. Uh, now, maybe maybe they will have to cut one of these players. Maybe you're right. Maybe they will have to cut like a Corey Davis, or maybe they'll cut someone like John Franco Myers. I think unless you have a clear plan to upgrade at that position, it doesn't make sense to cut it. And you can work around the cap. If they trade for Aaron Rodgers, his cap hit this year is like 15 or 16 million. Like it really affects you more in the future than it does now. So you wouldn't really want to, you know, like you wouldn't need to cut those players necessarily. Um, I, I do think Barrios makes a lot of sense. I and mean, you could also cut guys like Ashton Davis. You'd save $3 million by cutting Ashton Davis. Why not do that? Because that would make my draft take look worse if they cut oh, Ashton you were, Davis. You were an Ashton Davis stand. Oh, boy. I, I was in on Ashton Davis so hard. Oh, I feel silly. Tariq Wallen got my got my mojo back, but, man, I was all in on Ashton Davis. You like you like the athletes, I can see. That's fair. I'm like, I'm like oh, especially Tariq Wallen, he's 6'4", 210, and he's that fast. I'm like, there's something there. I'm like, there, there's something with Ashton Davis. I don't know why it didn't work. Yeah, it was shocking that Tariq Wallen fell to the fifth round, but that's another story. Uh, we can do plenty <laughs> of draft talk, but that was that was stunning. Um, but yeah, it's they can create that space. Like you can even cut like guys like Justin Hardy. I don't think they would do that, but you can cut him. You can cut Braden Mann. You can save money there. I don't want to do it, but you can cut Bryce Hall and save a few million. They have moves they can make where they don't have to get rid of guys. Also, Dwayne Brown's another one where if he retires, you save a good like five, six, seven million. You could still cut him and save five million. You know, so you don't necessarily need to cut guys and it's not like you're or you, you don't need to cut your top players you don't have to keep everybody but you can create moves you can you can or you can create space by making those other moves now i want to touch on one last topic before we go and end our third episode ever thank you guys so much for joining in using the chat we love you guys if you're listening later on the podcast thanks for downloading i want to go and bring up the offensive coordinator vacancy one more time because i want to just bombard people with offensive coordinator names but two names stood out that they recently interviewed. I'll start with the bad one first. They really run the spectrum here. So let's start with the really bad one, Chad O'Shea. Chad O'Shea, if you don't know, is currently the pass game coordinator and wide receiver coach for the Cleveland Browns, who, as we know, do not have the best passing offense in the league. That's Chad O'Shea's doing. Now, he hasn't had amazing quarterbacks, you know, Baker Mayfield, Jacoby Brissett, and Nasty Man, who shall not be named, but not amazing. He was the offensive coordinator in 2019 for the Miami Dolphins after nine years of being the wide receiver coach for the New England Patriots and mysteriously never went to another team when a bunch of Belichick assistants got hired. wonder if there's a reason for that. Well, 
It's because his offense had Ryan Fitzpatrick leading the team with under 300 yards rushing. How in the NFL you don't get a 300-yard rusher is beyond me, and how you potentially get a second coordinator job? That's even more shocking, especially after this report. I got to go and give credit to uh, DolphinNation.com, which is not a website I frequent, but it has a good <laughs> it has a good uh, analysis, analysis of this story in that uh, one Dolphins player, in referring to Chad O'Shea's offense, uh, called it a bleep show, saying O'Shea tried to teach an offense that was too complex to a young team and that his teaching and instruction during film study was a, quote, disaster. <laughs> so, I mean, that's a ringing endorsement of an offensive coordinator for a young team, if, if I've ever heard it. So, yeah, if they hire Chad O'Shea, that might be Nathaniel Hackett levels of, I, I don't know what the hell they're doing. Clint Kubiak, on the other hand, who, if you remember that last name, that is because he's the son of Gary Kubiak, who's the senior offensive assistant all these Jets fans wanted. Clint Kubiak spent 2021 as the offensive corner for the Minnesota Vikings. Now, I know some Vikings fans were not thrilled with him. I would say, all right. He was mid, as the kids would say. He's mid, which for a first-time coordinator, mid is not bad because we've seen bad first-time offensive coordinators. So that's fine. Then he goes to Denver. Pass game coordinator, which you'd think would raise eyebrows because that passing game was horrendous with Russell Wilson. But then later in the year, he started getting a bigger role in the offense, and there was a slight uptick in in the production. So really running the gamut here because you could either get a guy who's a promising young assistant who comes from one of the most respected coaching trees and has a year of success calling plays as a coordinator, or you could hire a guy who was terrible and everybody hates. Which which one do you choose, Jets? <laughs> It's been an overly underwhelming, uh, which is honestly what they will be kind of expected, but it, it's been an overly underwhelming uh, degree of just like or list of candidates that the Jets have looked at, which, again, we kind of expected after they fired Michael LaFleur. We've talked about this a lot on the show already in just two episodes. Uh, but we, we've talked a lot about how that Jets job is not the most appealing. And that's kind of why part of the reason, at least I think both of us were on the, on the, the side of not firing Mike LaFleur, but they did. And now they have to find his replacement. I agree with you. Chad O'Shea would be a really bad hire. Uh, I would just, I saw that they interviewed him and I quickly looked him up and I was like, oh yeah, that's, I was like, I know this name. I'm like, why do I know this name? And I'm like, oh, this is the guy who, you know, Miles Gaskin was and not even the leading rusher. Ryan Fitzpatrick was a leading rusher that year in Miami. It was just, it you was want to know who their second leading rusher was? Salvan Ahmed, was he still there? Mark Walton. Oh, Mark Walton. That's right. And then he got arrested. And, and then he, he got arrested. arrested. Yes. He got arrested. Yeah. Well, uh, the tight ship over there. Yeah. What a, what a great group. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, one of my best friends, the Dolphins fan too. And he was not happy with that offense. Uh, as you might well, Maybe it'll work this time. Yeah. I, I don't think so. Uh, but I, I am intrigued by Clint Kubiak. I think I said that on Twitter that like the, not the offense notably improved. Cause he did take over play calling duties at a point as well later in the year in, in Denver. Uh, and the offense did improve. So I, I'm a little encouraged by that. He's young, obviously comes from the Kubiak coaching tree, which Robert Sala is very familiar with. He was on Gary Kubiak's first staff in the NFL as a head coach. So, you know, there's some familiarity there. I wouldn't be excited about it. There's not a ton of hires I'd be super excited about. Obviously, if they can get someone like Frank Reich, who the Jets are reportedly interested in, which obviously they are, that's not a surprise, but like good luck convincing him. The latest report we had heard was that you know, Frank Clark or Frank, Frank Clark, Frank Reich has a couple of uh, of head coach interviews coming up and the Jets are kind of awaiting to see what happens with those interviews. And if he doesn't get any of them, 
they'll probably try. I don't think they're to get him, but they'll probably try to reach out. Uh, another guy though I, I would love, but I think is probably less likely as well now is Joe Brady. I think we might have talked about him on the last show. Um, we did, we did, we definitely talked about him on the last show. But uh, the Jets are they requested an interview with him. He's currently the Buffalo Bills quarterbacks coach. I'd be very happy with him. Unfortunately, the Los Angeles Chargers also requested to interview Joe Brady. And if the Chargers are interested, I imagine Joe Brady will not be super interested in the Jets job if he even wants to leave Buffalo, which that's a question in its own right. So it's a very underwhelming group. We're not going to get into all of it now, but yeah, I'm definitely uh, not in the boat of Chad O'Shea. I don't think anybody should be on the Chad O'Shea bandwagon. Clint Kubiak, I'd be fine with. Like I'd, I can talk myself into Clint Kubiak, but it's an underwhelming search. It, it really is. And with that, we are going to officially put a bow on our third episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I am Michael Luciano. That is Justin Freed. Yes, sir. Take us home, Justin. Yeah, all right. I appreciate you guys checking us out again. It's the third episode. We're going well. It's It's been really fun. Uh, you can follow Mike on Twitter at by Mike, Mike Luciano. You can follow me on Twitter at Justin T. Freed. Follow Jet Press on Twitter at the Jet Press. You can download Jet Press Podcast wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all that stuff. Also, check us out on YouTube. Subscribe, you know, like, notification bell, all that stuff. You guys know what to do. Thanks for listening to the Jet Press Podcast. I've been Justin Freed. That's been Mike Luciano. We'll see you guys next time. See you guys next week. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.